0: Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into cardio. And the main conversation is going to be, how does cardio contribute to fat loss? And the question that I often get around this conversation is what kind of cardio is best for my fat loss goals should i be doing interval training or hit or steady state like what cardio is going to contribute the most to fat loss so i'm really excited to have this conversation because i do actually think that there is a lot of misunderstanding on this subject but before we dive into this we are going to actually review energy balance. And I think that this is really important because we need to step back and just make sure that we are all starting this conversation from the same foundation, which is what really drives someone to lose body fat. So let's look at energy balance. So when energy coming in is matched with energy going out, then you are going to maintain your body composition. You're going to maintain, or relatively, we're going to maintain your weight. Now, energy in is going to be those calories that are coming in, what you eat and what you drink. Okay, so that's going to be the calories in. The energy out or calories out, however you like to phrase that, that's going to be a little bit more complicated. Okay. So what contributes to that energy out? Well, the first one is uh, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. So that's just kind of like your resting energy expenditure. So it does require energy for your body to just keep the lights on. Like even if you're just laying there, right? So you still have processes going on in your body. Even thinking actually costs the body energy. So there's a lot of things that go into BMR that can be like your just genetics, your muscle mass, different things like that, okay? So your hormonal status goes under BMR as well. So BMR is typically, there's some argument about how much it contributes to energy out, but that's usually somewhere around 60%. Now, the next biggest contributor to energy out is your non-exercise activity. It's funny because people always get this confused. They're like, oh, the biggest contributor to energy out isn't BMR. It's exercise. Like, nope, 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 it's not. It's BMR. That's 60%. And then they often think, oh, well, then the next one, that's like 15, 20%. Then that's exercise. Nope, once again it's not it's actually your non-exercise activity. That has the next biggest contributing factor. And actually we could even get more nitty-gritty with that because we we could say, well it actually depends on how much you move whether that contributes more or less than the next one which is actually the thermic effect of food. It's still not exercise, guys. <laughs> so exercise is actually at the very top of what it contributes to energy out. So you have BMR being around sixty percent. You have non-exercise activity, uh, which is usually, you know, once again, depending on how much somebody moves, could be about twenty percent. Um, and then the next biggest chunk is going to be your thermic effect of food. So it costs your body energy to digest food. And interestingly enough, depending on the type of foods you eat, it could raise that or lower it. So those who eat more whole food diets, they are going to expend more energy breaking down whole foods and protein. So if you want to increase that number a little bit, start eating more whole foods. So, you know, just another reason why we should be eating about 80% whole foods, 20% fun foods, and keeping our protein higher as well. So then finally, at the tip of the iceberg, if you will, the tip of that energy out, we finally have exercise, and once again depending on how much somebody exercises like this could be a bigger or lower amount but it it actually contributes the least amount and we're going to kind of go over why that is too here but usually this is about like 10 percentish um maybe even less so now that we know calories in what you eat calories out or that energy out is actually a lot of things, right? It's your BMR, it's the thermic effect of food, it's NEAT or, you know, the non-exercise activity, and then it's the exercise. And I want to include one other thing in here that I know I've included many times before, for those of you who have listened to a lot of my podcasts, but uh, fidgeting is also in here. And why I want to bring that up is because I just kind of want you to keep that in mind Because later in the conversation, we are going to refer back to that again. So fidgeting, I'm definitely a fidgeter. I'm a hands talker. My husband was laughing so hard at me one time because I was sitting there talking to him, telling him, you know, fidgeters tend to be leaner individuals. And I want you guys to watch for that. The next time you're with a friend who you actually find is a little leaner, or maybe you would say they're pretty much an ectomorph they're just like a leaner body. Um, I want you to watch how much they move. So I'm having this conversation with my husband and he just bursts out laughing and he's, and I was like, "What? I don't get it. What's so funny. And He goes, you are literally saying this to me while you're sitting at your desk, your hands won't stop moving and your legs are bouncing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a fidgeter. I fidget, I move a lot. Um, so you that all takes energy for the body to do. So that is part of this energy out as well. But I just, I really do think that a lot of times when we're focusing on energy out, we just fixate so much on the gym. And by going over this, I just wanted to once again tell you that no, actually. "Quote unquote," the gym, whether that's in your basement or down the street, it's actually contributing the least amount to all of this, to that energy balance. Well, now, now knowing energy balance, if we want to uh, gain weight or if we want to lose weight, we now know that okay, I've got to I've got to tip somehow the scale. So if I want to gain weight, then that means I need to be eating more, having a higher amount of energy in than energy out. If I want to lose weight, I need more energy out and less energy in. Okay, now this does get a little bit more complicated because when we start tipping the scale, The body typically starts making some alterations, especially in regards to weight loss. If you start moving more, then the body's going to start sending more hunger signals. It usually ends up getting people to eat more and then balancing out the scale. Because that's what the body's like. The body just knows survival. It's not sitting here thinking, oh, guys, she wants to lose weight. Now we better just tone down those you know, hunger signals, wouldn't that be nice? In fact, a lot of diet medications are exactly that. It blunts that signaling. So now people aren't getting those hunger signals as much. So that's why without, quote unquote, dieting or should I say cognitive oversight over energy coming in people take a pill or get a shot and now all of a sudden they can lose more weight because it's toned down those signals to their body the problem is as soon as you go off of those you didn't learn anything you didn't change anything you didn't establish new habits I I shouldn't say you didn't most people don't and so as soon as you go off the drug, what happens, it's the rebound effect, you gain the weight back. Okay, we're not even in the fun stuff yet, guys. Sorry, I feel like I've taken way too much time. But I but I did want to just establish that, okay, so now we have to tip the scale, we need more energy out. And that's usually when people are like, okay, so let's let's introduce cardio, right? Because that's more energy out. Now, keep in mind, this cardio conversation is going to be solely about fat loss and energy balance or creating that energy deficit. Now, an energy deficit is what creates that fat loss. So there's an energy deficit or calorie deficit, and then the body turns to stored fats to get the energy it needs to continue going. And that's what causes the the fat loss, the weight loss, right? So people often say, okay, well, if we want less energy in and more energy out, then let's just introduce more cardio. Great idea. I, I It is. It, it, getting more energy out, that's a great idea. But don't get too crazy with the idea. Okay. And let me tell you why. So there is this really fun graph that I have where it actually goes over, this was pulled from a study, and I will link the study in the notes so that if you want to, you can actually click and see this graph. Now, the graph actually goes over how much energy is burned doing different activities. Now, keep in mind, these graphs are, um, they are generalities, right? So, they're averages based off of population. So, This isn't, you can't read this graph and say, okay, I know that I am burning exactly 1.2 calories a minute. That's, That's not how it works, guys, okay? I know we want this hard data, but the truth is there's far more variability. So these are just averages. This is what we see on average, okay? So resting, sitting, or laying down, on average, somebody is going to be burning anywhere between one to two calories depending on their BMR, right? So they're just going to be, that's how many calories they're going to be burning. Now, if we start moving more, let's say we walk at a moderate pace, let's say three miles per hour, then we're going to be burning around four, maybe 5.8 is what it says, uh, calories a minute. Well, we start moving more or moving faster instead of walking three miles per hour, you decide I'm going to walk 4.5 miles per hour. Okay. Now we're getting into a faster pace, higher heart rate. Now we're going to start seeing six to eight, um, you know, calories burned per minute. Then you start moving into jogging. Okay, well, with jogging, now we can go anywhere from eight to 12, you know, depending on the speed and the heart rate and such. So, obviously, the more and the faster you move, the more calories it's going to cost the body to do that. So, the more energy it's going to cost the body, the higher the amount of calories burned during that activity. So, with that base knowledge, let's step back and review something. Let's say somebody is completely sedentary, burning about 1.5 calories a minute. In a day, being completely sedentary, their maintenance over that 24-hour period, their body is going to be using around 2160 calories. Now keep in mind, once again, these are all just generalities. So averages. So 2160 calories would be about their maintenance. So now they want to increase that energy out, okay? So they're going to introduce cardio. They say, I'm going to do 45 minutes of cardio. Well, 45 times, let's just say, they're at about a 7.5 calories being burned per minute. So now that's 360 calories, of energy being used during that training. Well, you take 45 minutes away from the 2160 and then you add the additional, you know, calories so being burned. So now we're at about their maintenance being at 2452. So how awesome. They were able to with that 45 minutes of cardio, they were able to increase that energy out around 300 calories that's awesome. So usually that's where people stop and they're like, awesome. So that's what I need to do. 45 minutes of cardio a day, I'll burn through more energy, but let's just pause and keep in mind something. That 300 calorie difference that you spent 45 minutes doing, that's about one and a half chocolate chip cookies. I mean, how many people out there are like, I just barely ran. I earned this cookie. Awesome. That's like, now you're back to where you were before you ran. Once again, we're not talking about other health adaptations that can happen through additional cardio because there are. We are just talking about fat loss because the questions that I hear all the time are, I am going to the gym every day. How come I don't look any different? Or I'm going to the gym every day. I'm eating healthy, how come I haven't lost weight? Well, let's, okay, so that 300 calories that you burned, it's about a handful of almonds. So if you, you can quote unquote, eat healthy at maintenance too, that's possible. That's actually what I try to do when I'm at maintenance. I still want to eat healthy, right? So it's completely possible. That's what you should be doing. But when you need fat loss, you need to create a calorie deficit, So that's why it's great to increase energy out. But unless you have some sort of cognitive oversight over energy coming in, then you're just going to go be right back up at maintenance with a handful of almonds or an avocado, right? That's eating healthy, but it's putting you right back at maintenance. So... When we introduce cardio, yes, 100%. It can increase energy out and, in so doing, create an energy deficit or a calorie deficit, but only if there's some sort of cognitive oversight on energy coming in. Otherwise, hunger signals will be sent, you'll respond by eating a little bit more, and you'll be right back up at maintenance. This is why you cannot outrun the fork. This is why. So cardio is a wonderful way to create an energy deficit, but only if you can make sure that the amount that you're eating stays the same or even reduces down. That's what's really, really, really important. So that tells you what cardio can be helpful for, creating a deeper energy deficit. The next question I often get from people is, yes, but what kind of cardio is quote-unquote best for fat loss? And then there's usually conversation about interval training, HIIT training, or steady state. Which one is quote-unquote best? Now, in this conversation, we need to go over something called EPOC. Excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. Okay, so what happens is when we exercise, there is this EPOC effect. So we are still burning more energy post workout, um, because of elevated heart rate recovery. So it is going to require more energy before we go back down to that baseline that kind of, we talked about that like one to two calories burned per minute, just doing nothing because there is this epoch effect to almost all exercise. Some, we see a, a greater increase of that epoch. Uh, some we see less. Steady state cardio, especially in zone two, um, we are going to see far less, but we see far more calories burned during that training. Let me step back and actually see without graphs, how well I can explain this. I'm going to tag in the notes the study that I'm referring to. I think that this is really good. Oftentimes people will say hit or intensity type of training has a greater epoch effect. And so therefore, we end up burning maybe less calories during the actual sprint intervals or hit or whatever it may be doing. We may be burning less calories because maybe we're doing less time, but then the epoch effect is higher. So we end up burning more calories post that workout. This is the argument that's usually had, which it's true hit and more intense training is going to have a higher epoch than like steady state. But when you step back and look at the full picture. What are we seeing? So this is a, a fun study that I'm quoting. What they did is they had three groups. They had a sprint interval group where they were doing six rounds of 30 second max effort for, f- and then a four minute recovery. So a two to four minute—that's a typical HIT type of intervals that we tend to see. The other group was HIT; they were four—they—they called it HIT. The HIT group—they were four rounds of four minutes at ninety-five percent max heart rate with a three-minute recovery between. So this is both of those were pretty high interval, and then they took cardio. And they said, okay, we're going to have this person, or not person, but group, do 30 minutes of cardio at 80% heart rate. That's about a top, near top zone three cardio. So what were the findings? Well, just like what we thought, cardio during that 30 minutes did burn more calories, on average, they were looking at about 485 calories. The uh, what they level, uh, what they labeled HIT group during that duration of HIT burned about two hundred and forty-six calories. So, a little less than the cardio. Then the sprint group burned. The least amount, which was around 160, and um, that's that's this is this is not shocking for anybody who knows anything about you know exercise science. This is what we would have thought we would see. So the cardio for 30 minutes, we saw more uh, calories being burned during that time. Now, what everybody argues though is that with higher amounts of EPOC. With this sprint and interval training, it should balance out to about the same or more because then you're burning more calories post the exercise. But what was this study actually able to see? Well, when we look at cardio, the epoch was only about 65 calories, pretty low compared to the HIT, which was 83.0. So yes, that did have a much higher epoch effect. The sprint had the greatest amount, and that was 110 calories burned post-workout. But when you look at the overall numbers, what do you see? You don't see the sprinting being the most calories burned. Actually, the steady state cardio still won. It had about 348 total between the during and the epoch effect. It got about 348 calories. Then up next was the hit with 329. And then the sprint came in last at 271. So it got far less. And then the end of the study, they said the epoch is unlikely to be the major contributor to fat loss and body composition changes previously observed following high-intensity interval exercise training. So what can we learn from this? That sprints or hit or interval, it's not actually going to during or post end up using more calories or increase that energy expenditure. Like so many people are saying, do that. It will, because of the epoch, it will, you'll end up burning way more than steady state. No, actually the cardio that was around the zone three still was able to increase the energy out the most. Once again, that was around 30 minutes of 80% max heart rate. So the takeaway, I really think from this can be do the type of cardio that you enjoy the most. If if I tell a client to do sprints or hit, and they're going to be miserable doing it, What's the likelihood that they're going to do it? It's going to be much lower. Now, some will actually do cardio because I give them interval, because they enjoy it. It's fun. It's challenging. It's what they want to do. If I give another client, well, 30 minutes of, you know, 80%, you know, zone three cardio, they may really enjoy that because they're like, awesome. I can watch my show and really enjoy my show during, during the cardio. It'll make it go by faster. So when we're looking at it a bit more superficially, it appears that just choosing the cardio that's going to expend energy and that you're going to enjoy the most is going to be your best option. There's one other thing that I want to touch on though that I haven't yet and that is recovery. I was having this conversation with my husband and he was bring. I was telling him uh, the research and what was found and he had tons of questions and they were so good because it made me realize, okay, I've got to talk about recovery. I can't just end it at that. Cause he's like, okay, but, but what about if somebody's main goal is muscle? Well, remember, hun, we we're not talking about that. We're talking about fat loss. So this is all in regards to fat loss. But I do kind of want to go into some of those. What if somebody wants to lose fat, but also maintain or maybe increase muscle at the same time? Because that is possible, right? Let's say they've chosen a moderate cut, so they really want to see fat loss, but they also want to see, you know, can I get a little bit of muscle during this period too? And that is possible. So we've got to be careful though, because depending on the type of cardio then that's chosen, we can actually get, um, kind of this, this blunting effect. And and that's what we have to be careful when we're trying to do those two things at one time, right? Is we can kind of get a little bit of this, this. You know, too high intensity may tap into recoverability, which may then prevent you from putting on muscle. Let's say a woman really wants to build her legs. So she lifts legs on Monday. And then on Tuesday, she does hit, she does sprints. Well, that requires more recovery than just steady state or zone two or three cardio, zone two or three, that that can be less than eight hours before you're recovered and able to to go at it again. Whereas something like HIT, that can be 24, 48 hours. So depending on how strenuous it was. Um, so we have to be careful because if somebody goes in and lifts legs on Monday and then does HIT, sprinting or some other type of lower body hit on Tuesday, and then Wednesday goes in and does lower body again. Well, that hit that was on that in-between day could have prevented Monday recovery and could also, you could still then be working on recovery from the hit on Tuesday when you go into Wednesday's workout, right? So we do actually have to consider recoverability. So the higher the intensity cardio, the more recovery needs it has. So that really can then influence depending on what your goal is. So if your goal is to try to squeeze out some more muscle in a fat loss phase, then you probably want to lean more towards steady state versus hit especially if you are training like four to five days. If you're training two to three days um, as far as weights, then maybe you can incorporate one to two hit days. It just depends on your overall program. So I really would strongly suggest though, overall, if you are trying to, Maximize the ability to maintain or build muscle. Maybe lean more towards steady state. Another thing as far as recovery goes that I do find important to discuss is your lifestyle impacting your recovery that you need now because you're introducing hit. So let's say a woman just had a baby and she's trying to lose that that pregnancy weight that she put on post-pregnancy, but she's not sleeping very well because the baby is getting up two to three times at night, that lack of sleep is going to impact recovery. I would actually tell that woman, let's not do hit right now. Let's focus on steps. Let's get into the gym two, three times a week and be focusing on weightlifting. So let's focus on those, making sure that we are maximizing the body's ability to recover and feel good, but you can also be in a calorie deficit. So you do have to be careful of how much that's going to influence if you are breastfeeding, how much that's going to influence. I always tell people when they're breastfeeding and they want to lose weight, the best thing to do is track and find your maintenance because more than likely what you're eating right now is maintenance. Because your maintenance can be a little bit higher, depending on the individual, a little bit higher because you're breastfeeding. So your body's needs are a little bit different, right? It's now uh, trying to recover from a pregnancy. It's also now trying to, uh, it needs more energy to produce milk. So you can see somebody's maintenance increase, um, sometimes dramatically with milk production. So I always tell these women, go ahead and just track Find your maintenance and then let's stay on the side of caution. Maybe decrease calories 200 while keeping, you know, just um, walking 8,000, 10,000 steps a day and getting to the gym two, three times just to do some weightlifting. Let's not jump into some crazy fanatic program right now. Let's ease into this because there's nothing worse than losing milk production. It's a lot harder to get it back right? So let's just make sure that we're taking care of all of our needs and slowly getting back into the routines of things. I think that that works best. Okay, now moving on. I have Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. My body's ability to recover is just naturally lower than other individuals. So this can actually impair muscle growth. This can impair my ability to train um, at higher Volumes and intensities throughout the week. That's why I don't train six, seven days a week. And it can also uh, just impair. If I were to do weightlifting four times a week and then do hit one or two, that would destroy me. It it kills my energy levels, causes major brain fog. It uh, recoverability, sleep suffers. Recoverability in general is lower because of my thyroid issues. So that is something for me that I have to be hyper aware of. So right now I'm training five times a week. Um, I started having a really hard time sleeping. Um, I had to actually go back to training four times a week and then sleep got a lot better. I started feeling a lot better. Then I could incorporate back a fifth day, but I had to be very careful of just about how much I was pushing myself and my volume. So these are things that you just have to figure out what's best for you. The problem I tend to see is that women don't want to test things out and they're afraid to ever pull back. I think the best, uh, feedback I and the most exciting feedback I get from clients is when they come to me exhausted, unable to stay in a calorie deficit because they're trying to do everything. And they forget that their lifestyle is tapping into so much of their recovery. And I know I just barely talked a lot about this in my last podcast, so I should probably not keep hammering this one, but I just want to strongly encourage everybody to pause and look around what's going on in your life right now I had a client that when I drilled her like why didn't you bring this up why didn't you tell me this was going on she's like well I I just feel like they're separate my life is separate than you know my my body and health I'm like nope they're all intertwined there was a client that we were having massive amounts of success with like This was just the dream client. She was following everything to a T. Her body was responding really, really well. And then out of nowhere, it it just stopped. And it started, she started putting on weight. And it was almost to the point where I'm like, what is going on right now? And I said, what's, there's something happening in the peripherals. What's going on that that's not being told. And this was a few years back, but she was going through a pretty ugly divorce and a lot of stuff she told me a lot of the stuff that she was dealing with and it was having this huge impact on her recovery and so what her body could handle before it wasn't handling really well now we had to drop everything like take a step back almost like clear the slate like let's start anew because Yes, you are the same person, but your body is not actually the same body that I was dealing with three months ago. So now we've got to rediscover this, this body because of life circumstances and how stressed out you are. It's impacting everything. It's impacting your sleep. It's impacting your body's ability to recover. So we had to step back. I dropped cardio. Um, I dropped, pulled back lifting to only three times a week. Very, very, very basic lifting. We focused on steps. We even had to reassess what is your new maintenance now because your activity level has dropped so much. And we had to shift the focus to how can we get you to sleep? That's the most important thing. Okay, I feel like we've totally gotten off topic here, but... Recovery is a very important part of fat loss, of building muscle, just of overall health. So there really is this point of diminishing returns. And that's actually another thing that I want to talk about with cardio is that there's another study that I'll include in this in the notes as well that actually showed that when somebody was pretty sedentary, adding in and getting them more active had this great Effect as far as increasing energy expenditure. Now, they did notice that when they took people who were already very active and really, really increased to the same degree uh, their overall energy out and activities, they noticed that there was actually what was called like this energy compensation effect. They did realize that there was kind of this point of diminishing returns, Uh, meaning there gets to be this point where increases in activity, um, not only do people just don't have time in the long term for such things, but the body actually started reverting to try to conserve energy. So it started, remember what I talked about, the fidgeting, the moving, it started really pulling back on all of that. So people started noticing that too much cardio, And all of a sudden, they just didn't want to move for the rest of the day. Well, your overall NEAT, your non-exercise activity, which is fidgeting, just moving around throughout the day, that actually has a greater energy out effect than, remember, that cardio for that 45 minutes. So if you are increasing your energy out for 45 minutes, but then lowering it the rest of the day because of this energy compensation effect, then that extra cardio actually is having the reverse effect. And it's not helping, but it's actually overall lowering your energy out and just kind of making you feel blah for the rest of the day. So it does seem like there is this point of diminishing returns. So that might sound familiar to some of you. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, oh, that's why I feel that way. Maybe I should pull back a little bit on that cardio. Maybe I don't have to do it every single day for 45 minutes to an hour. Maybe I can pull back a little bit on that. Um, And oftentimes I'll tell clients, two to three times a week, that's enough that really is enough for most lifestyle clients who are trying to lose body fat two or three times a week, two to 40 minutes, anywhere in between there. That is enough. It really is. Because remember what we also looked at as far as that graph, it's increasing energy out by 300. But remember that, you know, one and a half chocolate chip cookies, and you're right back at back to baseline. A handful of nuts, you're right back to baseline. A heavy-handed chef at the restaurant with some fats and bam, you're right back if not over. So don't just think, oh, I worked out. I earned this. It's, it doesn't work that way. This additional cardio can help But the main driver is going to be, like I said, some type of oversight of nutrition energy coming in that we really have to make sure is on point. Otherwise, you're just going to keep spinning and be a hamster in that wheel, right? So hopefully this conversation today was helpful. I just want to uh, go over some practical applications. One, yes, cardio can aid in energy expenditure, but like I said, it will not make up for poor diet adherence. Two, there does seem to be a point of diminishing returns where the body starts compensating for so much movement out. So keep in mind there is that that point of diminishing returns. Two, hit or steady state. Actually, it doesn't really matter so much as recovery needs are being met and you choose the one that you are going to enjoy the most. So hopefully today's episode has been helpful for you, mainly to stop overthinking about the cardio. Okay, that's going to be the main point that I really want to drive home. Stop overthinking the things that you don't need to, right? Let's just make sure that we are being active in ways that we enjoy, that we are lifting weights and utilizing that to uh, maintain muscle. Um, we are including a little bit of cardio here and there so that we can increase the energy out and also get some great uh, cardiovascular adaptations from that so we can you know, get the body to distribute oxygen and nutrients in healthy ways. Um, and then make sure that there's, if the goal is fat loss, that we are focusing on uh, somehow restricting and putting up boundaries as far as what's coming in as well. If you have any questions I love hearing back from you guys, uh, you can send me messages on Instagram and follow me there at Lifting Lindsay. I am also going to start putting a ton more content towards my YouTube channel. So I will have a link in notes as well for you guys to follow. And that way conversations like this can be really, really good because I can actually show you the graphs. And if you are a visual person like me, then that's going to help out a ton. Thank you so much for joining me guys. You guys have a wonderful week. I really, really appreciate each one of you.